At the time of publishing this episode, we are three centuries away from gender parity, according to the UN Secretary General. We live in a world where less than 1% of venture capital money in the UK is invested in all female founder teams, compared to 89% in all male teams. A world where one in every 10 women between the ages of 15 and 49 globally was subjected to sexual and or physical violence by an intimate partner. On Wednesday 8th of March 2023, International Women's Day, we ask, what's the point of it? Of course, the truth is that it's extremely important and in our inimitable approach, we explore topics like oppressive structures, male fragility and intersectionalism. We ask, what can we as men do to accelerate the change? Spoken and seen through our lens as partners, fathers, colleagues, friends and allies, we try to bring both empathy and compassion to the conversation. We're proud to have these conversations on 115 miles and push beyond the boundaries of our comfort zones. Okay, let's head into the episode. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. We hope you're sitting comfortably because this is about to get uncomfortable. Are we recording? <laughs> Edit that. I'm going to call today's episode Beanie Men. <laughs> Zimzama. Yes. I was going to say, have you got an impression of Beanie Man? Is that like a, is that too old school a reference nowadays? For some people, but for the, for the, the ones that know, if you know, you know. Yeah. Do you have, this is a good question. Do you have any um, old school, like a... Uh, uh, analogies or references that you use when you're delivering sessions at work that you need to stop doing because they're too old now and everyone looks at you blank? Uh, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but do you? Yeah, there's one. So I I often refer to RoboCop. <laughs> when I'm talking about resilience and like people being like, and, yeah. and I'm talking about toughness and deflecting yeah. things off of you. Yeah. Yeah, I go, that conjures up RoboCop. And there's two versions of RoboCop as well, isn't it? So you're talking about the Verhoeven, Paul Weller. Yeah, Robert mate. Yeah, yeah. So you get some blank looks. Yeah. It was actually, it was Mark after a that day session okay. that texted me. It literally, his feedback was great session, mate, but you really need to drop the Robocop uh, <laughs> reference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I can't think of anything like that, but probably. You're quite down with the kids, though, isn't it? When you go to concerts and that, like, you still go to like really relevant ones. Well, like Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, is he not new? He's the only one. Is, yeah, all right. The only one. No, he's he's relevant. Yeah. Not like the Saw Doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to see Bruce Springsteen in the summer, though. Yeah, but he's still relevant, man, even though he's 94. Yeah, he's yeah, he's good. He's I, I'm just a late entrant to the Bruce vibe. Though. I bet he's good yeah, live, mate. I'm not a, I'm not a fan yeah. as such, but I bet he's good. I wasn't. Aaron's always been a fan, and so I sort of got enrolled that way. But I remember back in 2000. Are you going with Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to go by myself. Well, I don't know. I thought you might have, like, I know what you're like. She's got you into it, but now you're going with your mates. <laughs> <laughs> I have no mates that like Bruce Springsteen, unfortunately. But uh, no, summer 2008, there was uh, two gigs in a row on a Friday night. He was at, uh, we went to see him at Emirates, uh, which was a wicked uh, uh, one. And then we went to see Foo Fighters at Wembley the next Friday. I bet the Foo Fighters Memories. were banging, man. So good, man. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. 
You're right. <laughs> we both got beanies on. That was the whole beanie man reference. Yeah, for the people, not, for yeah. the most part, are listening online can't actually see that we well, both got beanies on. on. Yeah, I've, I noticed that you tuck your ears in, whereas I keep my ears out. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't get yours in. Yours. <laughs> <laughs> I said I wore this on another podcast once, and someone said I look like Noddy. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. No. What? I what? look like Noddy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you do look like... No, 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 man. You look cool. You look cool. Um, the problem is, because i got got so much hair, my hats slowly work them their way off of my head. I bet they get misshapen really easily. Yeah, man. And they hair. lose their uh, strength in elastic. Elasticity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you meant? <laughs> yeah, this is exactly what I meant. Yeah. But it's, yeah, so they start working their way off. I already feel a little bit too hot with it on. If <laughs> Me too, man. I've got less hair though, so you've, I've probably got a bit longer than you. Mine might come off before the end of this. All right. Depends how can, heated this can shit Can you give gets. us a big like uh, fanfare when it's about to come off? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll let everyone know, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So um, how's your week going? Well, in terms of the check-in, we're going to check-in first, yeah? We're going to check-in now. I haven't asked you for your check-in, yeah? I just said, how's your... Well, that is a fucking check-in, is it? How's my week been? Uh, it's Tuesday, so we're talking yesterday. How was yesterday? Is that what you're asking Some me? Some people start their week on a Sunday, Josh. Oh, that fucking annoys me. Have you... so To get your goat. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting here. Last year, we had a calendar. You know, do you have a calendar still on the wall in the kitchen? Yeah. With all the, like, the family shit kitchen. on it? We, we, the kids have got a couple. Yeah, no, we don't do that. All right, well, that's we why, do. That's why we're in a lot of trouble in our house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need a calendar. <laughs> We got a last year's one had Sunday on it at the beginning. So like you kept fucking up because you would count that as Monday. Yeah. Monday's the first day of the week, man. Some people would disagree with you, Josh. Who? Let's find out. Where does it come from? God God rested on Sunday, didn't he? According to the Bible. It's not just Christians that <laughs> live in this world, is it? Is that where it comes from though? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Can um, we, can we right. find out though from our listeners? So to come back to your question. Yeah. Um, Monday was all right, mate. Okay, I had brilliant. a bit of a shit day actually, to be honest with you. <laughs> all right. I uh, didn't yeah. get much done. Okay. How was your Monday? Just phenomenal. <laughs> really good. Just winning on all fronts. <laughs> but that's because my week started on Sunday. <laughs> um, so yeah, check in, mate. How are you doing? How am I doing? I was actually, it's weird now because we do the check-in all the time. If I'm not careful, I overthink it and I start trying to be a little bit like, uh, I become inauthentic if I overthink anything too much. Yeah. Today I feel all right. Today I feel jovial. I, I love these days when I'm out and I'm doing this stuff, yeah, because I think it's one of the ways that makes my mind at its most quiet when I'm out and I'm in my passion and I'm doing what I love and I'm doing this and I've got some other bits going on and Uncommon Man and all that later. Um, but like on a day-to-day, -day, like on a day-to-day -day general perspective, I've, I've been getting overwhelmed quicker than I normally do. And I think there's a few reasons for that. Like um, one, I've got some stuff going on in terms of like family stuff. I've talked about this before. I've got like a blended family, some kids from my previous relationship that don't live with me and then not a great relationship with their mum, which brings a lot of stress that you then, it's very difficult to kind of channel that and get that out of you. So there's a lot of that stuff that's going on that I don't talk too publicly about, mainly for the kids' sake more than anything. Um, and then also like a real, I, I, I've been acting out a little bit. 
what I mean by that is like, rather than when I can feel that I'm getting overwhelmed a lot, going back and doing the things that I know that work, mm. I've been doom scrolling a bit and like finding ways to escape rather than move through. And when I do that, that's when it builds up and it compounds. And then the next kind of anxiety episode tends to come around quicker than when I'm doing what I should. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that will really relate to a lot of people, I think, just because um, you know when uh, the overwhelm often comes internally, but you don't really externalize, you don't talk about it a lot. And it comes in waves, doesn't it? So you kind yeah. of, it comes up and then it goes down, it comes up and goes down. And I know because, because of what I'm about to sort of talk about myself, it, you go to those places where you can escape. So the doom scrolling definitely has sort of shown up a bit more for me. Also the feeling of helplessness. Yeah. You go, oh, uh, I don't know how to fix this. So I'm just yeah. gonna go back to that place where I don't need to think about it. So I think a lot of people probably feel that, right? It's just that pure escapism and you just, some people, you know, throw themselves into Netflix or, you know, social media or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a sort of a similar thing. I think, um, you know, something, I think I had a, you know, a tricky start to the years I've talked about on here. Um, but I, I've come through that and I feel like a lot of resolution and, and kind of confidence in, you know, what I'm doing from a professional perspective, what I'm doing certainly from a health perspective and how I'm looking after myself. But I think the one area that I'm feeling that I'm underperforming in is being present at home. I feel really like I, I almost feel like my tank's empty by the time I need to get there. And I don't really want to talk too much about that because, you know, we've talked about that before yeah. and I think people understand the concept of being present at home. But I was starting to be a bit like overwhelmed internally. I was building a narrative around failure, you know, my own failings. And I just, you know, I just went, right, well, you've got to do something about it. You, can't, you know, you can't just hope for a better day. You've got to do something about it. And so um, the the instant reaction might be, oh, let me just delete all the social media off my, you know, off my phone. But actually, that isn't it. You need to go back to the wiring. And actually, um, for me, I started to look into some of my own practices. So my word of the year as a reminder is lead. And uh, for me, I've broken that into two parts, self-leadership and leadership of others comes off that. You have to start with yourself. Mm. In every piece of personal development work, whatever impact you want to have on others, you have to start with yourself first, right? So for me, that is what I've been putting as a paramount. And so um, I realized that I needed to understand what my internal triggers were before my external actions will be pick up the phone, watch the Netflix, be grumpy at people or whatever. It all starts from somewhere internally. Um, and I, um, uh, a few years ago when I started to develop the product, um, uh, the digital product, I read a book by a guy called Nir Eyal called Hooked. And it's all about creating habit forming products. And um, it's a very well recognized book and it kind of has a model that helps you kind of design products to help people build habits. But it's also the same model that bad nefarious companies used to get people to be addicted to their tech products, right? So I think he kind of had to balance that out, right? Because he knows that he's probably helped some of those companies. So he wrote this book called Indistractable. And it's really about how um, for you to kind of get traction in your life, you need to be 
indistractable. You need to understand what's going on here and not blame the technology or the social media or anything like that, but understand what's going on internally. Anyway, I started listening to that and just immediately I've taken, you know, steps, big steps around, um, around like how I'm going to start to kind of address things. So one of those things is I have a very complex and busy life. Um, and so just by, um, taking a different approach to how I target my day means that I've got more time left to kind of intentionally use later. Because the, the fallacy that we tell ourselves is, oh, we've got no time. Mm. I ain't got any time or any energy. But through wasted energy, by not being efficient, by doing a to-do list versus something called time boxing, which I recommend people go and find out, you look like you were going to burp puke out there. I just burped. <laughs> I had to hold it in so it come out my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Um, um, we we waste about uh, about twenty eight to thirty percent of our time, right? On a yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm back. I'm just sorry. gonna giggle uh, on a day across a week, but across a lifetime, that's a decade. Yeah, that's wasted mental. time. Yeah, but what can we do with a decade? Mm. You know, and that was the thing that made me feel, oh, okay, I can do something. I've got to do something about it, and that's what I've been doing over the last sort of five days, and it's making a huge difference. I do think you know, like when you can start to, we've talked. I think we talked about this before, but I do think that we people discount in general. You know, like I, you've just talked about feeling a bit overwhelmed, going through a tricky period. I've talked about you know being a bit overwhelmed lately, going through what you might call a tricky period or whatever, yeah. I think we sometimes discount that and think that we need to get rid of that, when actually, I think in some ways that is us. It's almost like we go into a bit of hibernation, the body starts screaming at you, giving you louder signals, and then comes the action. And rather than thinking that that horrible period needs to be something that we need to get rid of, right? And I need to make sure I don't go back there. It's almost like, actually, I think that's kind of like the way that life goes up and down. You go through those tricky periods and if you can start to listen to them as much as you can, be in them, and then as soon as you feel ready, start to go, right, what do I need to do now? How do I need to move through this? And that's where I always go, you know, when I, when I start feeling hopeless in the end is what I start feeling, which is like, I start feeling things like, you know, I don't know if I'll get out of this one. This is crap. I don't know why I bother. You know, it's, you know, all this is, it's all fake. It's all, you're all, it's all bullshit. I do all of that in my mind. I, if I can catch myself quick enough, then I can go, I know when, I know when I, what, when I'm here and why this is. Yeah. And I need to look truth in the eye. Yeah. I need to speak to some people about that truth, share that truth, and then go back to doing the things that I know work, you know, or, 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 or address the issue that my body is, is telling me about. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the things that uh, comes up in this book is understanding the internal trigger before the external trigger happens, yeah. right? So, for, you know, we've talked about food addiction in the past, right? Like when we turn to food when we're feeling a particular way, but actually there's something that happens internally way before we pick up that yeah. chocolate bar or that tub of ice cream or whatever, right? And so it's really, it's hard. You don't recognize it at first, but just being more tuned in is like a really... A powerful way to kind of move forward and and rather than abstinence right so beat yourself up and you go no I'm not going to pick up my phone I'm not going to look at social media no I'm not going to watch another episode of Netflix he talks about uh, near EL talks about this thing called the 10 minute rule he's like yeah you can have it but in 10 minutes yeah and then if you just wait 10 minutes chances are you won't want it as much yeah I like you won't that. feel as strong so it's, you're not saying no because then you what, when I say to you right now don't think of a white polar bear in a forest. Yeah. 
What do you think of? A white polar bear in a forest. Yeah. yeah. So, so you run much far, uh, much faster to the thing that you're telling yourself not to do. Yeah. So actually, um, just say, yeah, I can have it, but I'm going to have it in 10 minutes. Yeah. And it just makes such a difference. Yeah, it's good, man. And like, on a slightly separate point as well, to, to, to bring together what we're kind of saying, I do think when you go to that internal thing and you listen to what's driving it, that's your only hope of finding the true solution. Because mm. I think like in today's world where there's lots of like well-being stuff out there, sometimes you jump to a solution as well. So rather than listening to your body, you know, you're doing 10 ice baths a day and going out barefooted with no shoes and socks on or whatever, right? But no amount of that is gonna work if your problem is driven by the fact that you hate your job, right? Mm. No amount of ice baths are gonna stop you hating your job. You need to deal with what your body's trying to tell you, right? And so when you get to the core, and you get to that level of self-awareness, what's my body really trying to tell me and how can I make at least even small minute changes towards that? That's when you see real change. When I look at, when I, like when my job was making me depressed and it was, I hated it. I was stuck in a dead end job and felt trapped like I couldn't get out of it. Um, I started taking some baby steps. So I started going, right, the reason it makes me so depressed is because I feel like there's no meaning. So I started volunteering because I knew I couldn't just leave my job. And then I volunteered with one charity and then another charity and then I found the COA and then that began to snowball and it was listening to my body, what's the real problem here, making small changes in my life that, you know, have ultimately led me to where I am today. Whereas back in the past, I could have just been stuck there thinking, I'm stuck, I hate this, I'm depressed, I feel crap, right? And that's not to say that when you're stuck in them things, you're the one who can get out of it, you're the one, but it is about, there is something in this about saying, What's my body trying to tell me? How how in tune can I be with myself to make the changes I need? Yeah, one of the one of the pillars of the coach training that I I did is focus on the whole person, mm. not the problem. Yeah. So as a coach, somebody might say, oh, "I'm having a really bad relationship with my manager." So you could just spend an hour just going, "Right, let's talk about how you can have a better relationship with your manager." But actually, through the power of coaching, you can actually get to something which is, "I'm feeling unfulfilled in my job. Yeah, I'm unhappy." And that's what needs to get solved, not the relationship yeah. with the manager. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Brilliant, good chat, good mate. Good checking, mate. Yeah, so this next section is called Things That Get Your Goat. Things That Get Your Goat. So, so we all know that, well, I think despite our very approachable coaching, well-being demeanors, <laughs> we both agree <laughs> that we don't like people very much. <laughs> I don't human very well. Yeah, you don't human very well. but. Um, I asked you to think about things that really get your goat. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. So you go first. I'll go right. So my first one is uh, spiritual arrogance. So it kind of links a little bit to what we've just been talking about. But you see so many people online, right, who talk about like healing and doing the work on themselves, right? But what they've got this such like spiritual arrogance where they're just emotionally avoiding the fuck out of everything. And then they push it onto you. So like, you, you know, if you're feeling down about something, they don't want, they, they can't handle your feeling down. So they have to push something on you. Oh, you're feeling sad. Why don't you write down three things that you're grateful for? I'm like, well, cause then I'll just fucking feel guilty about the fact that I feel sad. I'm not stupid. I know the good things I've got in my life, but this is what I'm feeling right now. And maybe the two even coexist. Yeah. 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 Uh, like it also looks like, you know, never allowing anybody to be, to be angry. Oh, you're angry. Oh, okay. If you just let it go, work on letting it go. You, like, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. And 
These spiritual arrogant people that I'm talking about, they take themselves so, so seriously as well. You know, everything's just love and, oh, you were abused and you're upset about it. So was I, but I just found love and forgiveness. And now I sit in the lotus position. Let me give you this as well. 96.2% of people that say that they meditate every day have fucking never meditated before in their life. Apart from- Where'd you get that stat from? Apart from sitting in the lotus position and filming themselves. <laughs> Does it get your goat? <laughs> I made that stat up. Oh. But I bet it's, I I bet it's yeah. right. Yeah. I bet it's right. I bet it's fucking right. You bet your house on it. That's why you should always check stats. Yeah. You get people like me that just make my... But, stato. But, do, you remember, no. do you remember Stato? No. Okay. Now I'm really showing my age. That's one of your references. <laughs> he was on Frank Skinner and David Baddiel's show. Oh, I used to love that. But Stato was on it. I don't well, you obviously it. didn't love it that much. Oh, you were probably wasted. I was just a, no, or a child. So or a child. Remember yeah. it probably. <laughs> you never, you never paid attention to the nerds, just the alpha comedians. Let me just caveat, by the way, what I say about spiritual arrogance. I do think, in some ways, it is a part of the healing journey. So, like when I was about two years sober, I was really spiritually arrogant. Because arrogance in general, right, is normally now you're just arrogant. Now just arrogant. <laughs> you just drop the spiritually. <laughs> I think arrogance is not in, in in most cases, right? Arrogance is born out of like... Adversity. No, like a, 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 a desire to hide from something. Oh yeah. If I'm arrogant, I'm like, fuck your opinion. I know everything. Yeah, all that. Then it normally means that I'm uncomfortable with your opinion. So, so when you get these spiritually arrogant people who are like, you know, just work on forgiveness, let it go. What they actually are normally is uncomfortable with the fact that you're comfortable with your difficult emotions. And so they need to like push them down in you and push fixing on you and stuff like that. And I like I do. I, I want to kind of just hold hold space for the fact that we probably all go through that phase at some point, and and can go back there anytime. Yeah, I can be quite spiritually arrogant. You, well, I, I didn't want to say, Josh, to be honest. But you know, like whenever you're learning something new and it's having an impact on you. You kind of want to share it, don't you? Want to, like you share it before you, before you're, you've done the work. So I, I, let me give an example. When I'm reading a really good book, yeah, I don't wait till I've got to the end of it. I usually I've read about two chapters and go, oh, this is great. Like indistractable. I haven't finished it. <laughs> I got so distracted. Good. Yeah, yeah, I got distracted. <laughs> but but um, but so so I get it. Like you just want to share it. It's just the people that can't continue to do the work. It's that yeah, and then yeah, and then when there's an when it becomes a little bit sort of. I hate to use the word toxic, like when it becomes a, a, like a little bit like that and you get, you know, these people that are like, oh, you struggle with boundaries. I did X, Y, and Z and now I've got perfect boundaries and nobody touches me and comes near me. And you see that stuff on, online all the time and it can be quite shaming. Like you see it in uh, like the sober community. You have people that are like, just love being sober and they really want to talk about it. That's one thing. And then you have people that I sometimes think, do you realize that you've quit alcohol and now you're, like shaming anybody that drinks and like, and it gets a bit uncomfortable. Mm. Don't get, I love the sober community. I'm talking just about like, there's a, there's a minority of people, but the problem is in some ways is that it's, it's, it's in, in the healing space in general, it doesn't feel like it is a minority, man. It feels like it's a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of people. So shall I, can I go now? No, I'm going for my really, number two. No, okay. <laughs> Mine feel really trivial compared to yours. No, my next two are now, man. That was my big one out of the way. Chuggers. Chuggers get my goat. Do you know what chuggers are? No. Charity muggers. You know, oh. you, you know the ones that like 
accost you on the street, right? Yeah. And you know, like, you see them, you know that you know they're gonna come for you. You're oh, yeah, starting yeah. to work out what you're gonna say just to slide past really quickly, and then I overthink it a little bit. <laughs> and then I get my words out all wrong and then it sounds like a lie which it sometimes is but I just need to get through it I just you know what really gets me about them oh. right is they don't really believe in the cause but they yeah. pro they project that they really believe in the cause but they basically are just they're just doing a, like a, a job by their students and they have to pick a new charity every day so I sort of know that do they? well they'll you know they, they basically what? get they're not they don't just Aren't they, they're just people that are like on a temp agency probably and then they'll go and like oh what so like they could be doing one charity one day and then another yeah, one the next yeah I never knew yeah. that man and I'm not gonna like in today's day and age I'm not gonna write my email address and my bank details on a piece of paper like I'm just not doing it you know what I mean so I all, bet they get some people in it they do, they will have you ever important. have you ever signed up to one yeah what because just because you couldn't get out of it yeah yeah no honestly no. Yeah, I maybe. did one, one, knock, one knocked on my door, mate. We were paying two pound a month for the air ambulance for ages. Oh, it's a good cause, man. <laughs> well, they're all good but, causes, but, aren't they? But, That's but, the like it's the ones on the street that, like, um, that that you like you know that actually that they've, they've got to do the job. I get it, right? Yeah. Like that's what charities need to do that. You need to kind of pierce the consciousness, otherwise people just won't bother. So I understand it. It's the ones also that when you walk past they're a little bit snarky as well. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, do you know what I do? Genuinely. Oh, good. Let me know. Uh, if I've got headphones on. Yeah. As I get close, I start talking and point to my ear. Oh, I do a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely. I start going, yeah. All right. Yeah. What? Sack them. Sack, sack all five of them. We'll get someone new in. Sorry. I'm just, yeah, I do that. Yeah. Genuinely. So I know they have to exist, but they just... No, I think that one's a bit harsh, mate. They're just trying to make a fucking living. What, as so, are, so are arrogant well-being people. <laughs> Go on. Right. My number two is bandwagons. I've always hated any type of bandwagon that people get on. And I've always... What, like, about, what about a band that needs a wagon? That is... What are you talking about? That's a fucking shit joke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, carry I on. Could, if we had an editor, I'd get that cut out. Um, no. Can you cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> Don't cut it out. Leave it in there. Um, um, any type of. All, I've always been a bit of a rebel, yeah? So I never. Like, I fucking hate when everybody starts doing stuff. And then you get the people that, like, inauthentically start jumping on the bandwagon as well. And, like, they're, they're doing it just because it's a bandwagon. Yeah. So, like, on TikTok, the latest one is um, there's, a, there's a filter on there that makes you. It's called the teen filter. Have you seen it? No. Well, like, it's supposed to make you look like a teen, yeah? So you've it's got loads creepy. of, like... That's a bit creepy. You've got loads of, like, middle-aged people on there that are, like, um, like I don't know, in their 40s or something, yeah? That are, like... Like me. Filming them... Like you, yeah. Filming themselves and then putting the filter on and then looking at the camera and, like, looking at them and then, like, crying and going, ah, oh, I miss you, buddy. We did our best. We made it. And f I've done it, and I think <laughs> so. You're on the bandwagon. No, 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 no. I haven't posted about it, but I looked at this filter. I put it. On, it, f it looks nothing like me when I was a child. Not remotely. It just gets rid of all my like creases and spots in my face, and it looks nothing like I used to look when I was a kid. And so I just like, and then people are doing it with filters in general. 
Mm. Yeah, so, so, so there's another one on there called Glam Filter. I've seen, I've, I've seen, seen that, that one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like people are like going, look. I look nothing like this. And then they turn it off and yeah. they don't look anything like yeah. it, right? Yeah. And they're like, this is ruining the kids. Yeah. But the truth is, it's the, like, it's the kids know. The kids know. It's only people in their 40s and 50s scaremongering about it. Like, the kids know everything is filtered. They know online everything is filtered. Yeah. So they don't have to worry about it. Do you know another bandwagon that I'm seeing a lot? What? White trainers and white socks and people tucking, like, pulling, like, sports white socks up, like, up the calf and tuck in their thing. No, they cut the bottom of the, the what football you mean? No, no, people are just in the street. What, tucking their socks into their trackies? Yeah, it's like a, it's a thing. You, now that I've mentioned it. Yeah, but that was in the 90s, bruv. It's back, isn't it? I'll tell you what else was in the 90s. What? Go on. Vanilla Ice. <laughs> back. Fresh Prince, all my kids are getting into Fresh Prince. Are they? Yeah. There was a little thing where all the young people were getting into Friends again, weren't there? Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Nice. And then, and then oh, it was cool. getting cancelled a little bit. Right, my turn. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, on the on the street theme, still, obviously, yeah. I did jug chuggers. Do you know what really gets my goat is slow walkers. I'm really intolerant. I just can't. What, and deal then with you can't get round them, and you've got like to walk behind like, them. Yeah, people that walk slow. Oh man. Escalators. And they streets. stay on the left on the escalator. Oh man. Hate them, hate them people. <laughs> but just slow walkers, like, you know, I, I just need to get somewhere fast. And yeah, it's slowing me down. Yeah, yeah. Just really get my goat. Are you a, a proper missioner? Yeah, like you mission everywhere yeah. that you go. Yeah, you know how like, um, uh, like people just kind of, it's like they're living life in the fast lane. Yeah. in their head, I'm one of them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't need slow laners. <laughs> They're living life in the fast lane. Like you know those, you know I'm those, tra you know, <laughs> you know those travel, those travelator things that you get in airports. Yeah, I walk. Oh man, <laughs> I just walk. Like like I can't like I can't be dealing with. Like well, you're walking you walk on the escalator. No, I walk to the left of it. Yeah, but if you was a real fast go getter, you'd walk on the escalator for double pace. You saw, you saw. Yeah, that's true. But then you have got people that are getting in your way that aren't walking the well, pace that you want to walk. If someone stood in the way. On, on an escalator now, yeah? Yeah. You know, you're supposed to stand to the right. If someone's stood on the left and blocking the way, what do you do? Uh, can you move to the right, please? Do you? Yeah. Do you? Excuse me, can you move to, do you? Yeah. I don't know. I stand behind them and look at the other escalator going like rolling my eyes. <laughs> Passive aggressive. <laughs> they don't know what's going on because they're visiting your country. It's just, yeah. Yeah, slow walkers in room 101. Okay. Oh yeah, this is a bit like room 101, isn't it? Um, so I've got another one. My last one is people that sit on the inside lane on a train or when they sit next to the window but put their bag on the chair next to them. Oh. Now, I'm fair game when it's early doors, yeah? So, like, if we're looking at the carriage and there's quite a few empty seats floating about but people are going to have to start sitting next to you, I'm fair game for doing what you need to do, yeah? yeah. My favourite one, because I don't like to look like one of the pricks that's put their bag on there so you can't sit there, is I pull down the tray of the chair next to me on the aisle seat, yeah? And then I pretend to be asleep with my legs really wide so I look uninviting to sit next to, right? 
<laughs> no, no, yeah. So I'm fair game. Yeah. But once you've got to the point where you know you've stopped at this train station, people everyone's going to need a seat, yeah. Yeah? yeah? And people still stay sat there yeah. and they wait and make somebody have to go, excuse me, can you move over so I can sit there? Yeah. Like, just give up the game now. Yeah. Give up the game yeah. and move over. Yeah. You know people are going to need to yeah. sit down. I'm with you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm Thank with you. you. Thank you. But I don't like what you're doing to try and make yourself look... Would well, you know why I do it? Because I'm a chronic, chronic people pleaser that when somebody sits next to me, I make myself so small as I can. I yeah, don't want their arms yeah. to touch me. I won't use the armrest. You have it. I'll move right over. And I'm achy and I'm in pain by the time I get to the train station yeah. because I've completely abandoned myself through fear that I might be making the person next to me uncomfortable. So that's why I work hard to try and get no one to sit next to me. And then you get some people like who sit next to you and you're like, there's fucking loads of seats up there where you don't have to sit next to anyone and you've come and sat next to me. Yeah, I don't like that. Oh my day. I, I that's like that. worse. That, that's worse than the aisle seat sitters. Thank you. Thanks, Haz. <laughs> Thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Really, 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 really gets my goat, this one. People... Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just people. AKA, my kids. One of my kids, specifically, but shall remain. <laughs> who put back empty cartons and wrappers into oh the fridge. My. Oh, oh, yes, you know. Oh, my God. You know. I hate this so bad, man. <laughs> I hate this so bad. Yeah. Or cereal boxes, you know. Cereal boxes. You go and get them out and there's none in there. And 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 you've done the shop. Create the false illusion of false like illusion. false illusion. We're all sorted. We got stuff. We're good. Oh, I'm really. I'm, I've just done a workout. That orange juice is going to quench <laughs> my first, and then it's empty. And it's proper empty, but just a tiny little dribble. So there's a there's defensibility in in the argument that that kid can say, "Oh no, well, there's some in there." Oh my god, I need to show this little bit here to Leah. She is it. Uh, it makes me angry, yeah, but it makes her even more. But you know, the worst thing about it is, I remember it used to make my stepdad really angry when I was a kid. And I remember being a kid and thinking, just yeah. chuck it in the bin, Yeah, mate. yeah, yeah, exactly. Why are you so angry about it? Yeah. Like, all right, yeah, it probably was me. But why are you so... I remember I used to think, why are you so angry? I think that's happening in my household right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best one, mate. Yeah. That was the best one. All right, cool. That was fun. Josh, tomorrow... 8th of March, why is it significant? It is International Women's Day. Correct. And do you know when it started? Oh, what, when, the, when it became a yeah. day? Yeah. No, I don't. In 1911, Copen, Copenhagen was the first 1911? One. Yeah, and it's kind of had iterations, it had kind of different meanings and purposes, but that's when it kind of officially got recognised. Shit, man. Yeah. No, like, yeah. if you'd have made me guess, I'd have probably said the 90s. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think in 96, it had a significant shift into like what we know it is today. Yeah, I think okay. it was 1996. But I'm going to ask you some questions, right? Mm hmm And I want you to kind of think about them and, uh, and answer them sort of honestly, right? When was the last time you were physically harassed by a member of the opposite sex just for walking home after a hard day at work? Shit, man. I didn't know you, you didn't... I didn't know you was going to ask me that. Um... Uh, no, never. Not not walking home, no. When were you last asked about your plans to have more children before you got a new job? 
I've got six kids, mate. <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. How often, when you're at a social engagement, are you continuously remarked about how pretty you look or what you're wearing? Yeah, no. I know you really wanted to make a joke there. Oh, yeah, the no, 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 but like... Yeah, yeah but, go on, yeah. keep going, yeah. How often do women come and just put their hands on your back or around your waist just as they're moving past in like a corridor or whatever? Yeah, no, it doesn't happen. Did you know... In co-working, co-parenting relationships, women do 66% more of child care responsibilities. Yeah. Does that surprise you? Uh, no. Okay. For every one pound of venture capital in the UK last year, all female, so every one pound, yeah? All female founder teams got less than one penny. Mixed gender teams got 10p in the pound. And all male founder teams, 89p. Fuck, man. Wow. So at that current rate, all female founder uh, teams to get to just 10%, right, will take more than 25 years. Wow. Right. Based on today's um, activity and movement, the UN G uh, Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, said it will take three centuries to get gender equality. Wow. Okay, now here's an honest question. Yeah. You may even want to close your eyes for this, right? Okay. When I mentioned all of these stats and you, iman and you imagined or pictured them as you were going through it, what did these women look like in your head? And I want you to answer honestly. What did you picture? What, when you were just asking me the yeah. questions? what kind of women? can open your eyes now well, I guess it would have been different depending on the question that you asked yeah but generally speaking I'm trying to kind of see if there's any sort of a bias in the way that you were thinking um, I, I, I'm struggling a little bit because I, I, I don't think I don't feel like I pictured so, so when I was going through it mm. I was just picturing like why able-bodied women like it was just, it was just- 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my answer was probably that I often picture Leah and my, my girls. Yeah, like people yeah. don't- but, 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 but in general, if you were to, if you were to, uh, yeah, 100%, uh, that's, that's what I was thinking. So- That is and what the, I was thinking. And, 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 and I'm a person of color, right? I'm a, I'm a brown guy. And, but when, I'm, when I was going through these stats and thinking about it, that's kind of just, that, that was what, that's the bias that it took me there. So the reason I mentioned that is, Imagine what all of those stats are like when you layer on intersectionality, right? Mm. If you're a woman of color, if you are LGBTQIA+, if you're disabled, if you're living in poverty, if you're under religious persecution. Like, it's, ba it's bad, but then when you layer on intersectionality, it's crazy. Yeah, man, yeah. So, so, so I applaud the day Right. And it is important. And I also want to, you know, lay, uh, lay bare to the fact that like there is, we are so, so, so behind. Yeah. I just want to explore that a little bit today, really. Yeah. But I think what I really wanted to point out is even when we hear such, um, or when we hear or read about, you know, such an inequity, even that's got so much bias layered into it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is not this is not just one problem, but it's multiple problems to solve, right? So one of the things that I asked us to look at was, um, you know, the um, the UN's report on sort of the gender snapshot from last year. Yeah. Okay? And just read a few more stats, right? So one in every 10 women and girls in the world globally between 15 and 49 were subjected to sexual or physical violence by an intimate partner in the previous year. Yeah, that's the one that I picked out, by the way. Oh, okay. When you when you sent me it, that was the one that I picked Tell, out. Yeah, so I asked for, for our listeners, I said, pick, like, have a look at these stats and pick out the one that, that really strikes you. Yeah, that, that's the one that I picked out globally more than one in... One in every 10 women and girls aged 15 were subjected to sexual and or physical violence by their intimate partner in the previous year. I mean, I'd be interested as well to know um, what that, you know, what the data is on just that, you know, that sexual harassment that you're talking about in like the workplace and stuff like that. Yeah. My eldest daughter's um, uh, nearly 17. Hmm. She left a job that she really liked because there was a couple of creepy old men there who kept, wouldn't stop making... And when I say creepy old men, they might have been sort of our age, yeah. right, by the way. But yeah. creepy old men to her. A 17-year-old is, yeah, is our, yeah, yeah, our yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and she left the job. She quite liked the job and she left it because the, like the comments... And she told me what the comments are. And you know, like what's interesting is that um, there was part of my response, being completely honest here, part of my response was a little bit like, that's the fucking world we live in. So like in the end she left her job and felt like good on her for doing that. But she shouldn't have, one, she shouldn't have had to leave it. And two, I was like my, my, when I was being truthful with her, part of me was saying, you're probably going to find that wherever you work. Yeah. That's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Well that, I think the case in point by what we're talking about is that is what's going on and it just keeps perpetuating, you know, like yeah. there is, we're so far away from change, three centuries away from gender equality. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. Um, I picked one out. Um, one in every three managers or supervisors is a woman. But the current pace of uh, change, parity will not be achieved for another 140 years. Mm. So equal. Yeah. So that's a long time of work. And actually, if you think about the evolution and or the revolution in the workplace, I wonder, knowing that, you know, there's a lot of... Um, uh, study or theory that that ai is is inherently biased anyway it's it's built with bias in it yeah i wonder if that's going to impact kind of you know work and jobs in the future as well yeah i'd imagine i'd imagine it will be yeah i heard some people talking about the whole ai thing and like the people that are creating it yeah they're going to well, push their biases onto it well, right? yeah exactly i mean you know it, we live in a world where there, it's just a construct of um, structural kind of prejudice. So let me ask you, let's, I've got some questions, right? So why are we still so far behind? Why are we 300 years away from equity? Well, look, I do think that one of the answers is, is that like, it's very difficult not to live uh, in your own bubble, in your own world, yeah? So I can very easily um, get comfortable in my own bias and start to, let me just like take an example. So I can take my children. I'm now the father of four girls, yeah? So, and, and two of the girls now are coming into their adulthood. One's 15, nearly 16, the other one's nearly 17, right? So like they are coming into their adulthood. So I'm starting to learn a lot of stuff. I'm being showed stuff through all of my uh, children, that particularly that are girls, that I wouldn't have recognized until I was in that experience. 
You got a bit of fluff on your thing, yeah. Um, so there's that, right? But then when you lay, when you put things plainly like you just did, when you asked me those questions and I sort of made a joke about the first couple, you do start to go, shit, man, yeah, like I don't allow myself to think of that. The best example of this that I can use is something slightly different, but it's remember when you told me you don't go to England games? Yeah. Yeah. So like I can quite easily start to convince myself that, you know, I'm going to sound awful here, but I just want to be as honest as I can. I can start to try and convince myself to stop overreacting about stuff. Like if you keep talking about it, then it is going to keep existing. And like, I can go down that narrative because I can stay in my own experience of my own life. I can start to think I wouldn't treat you any differently if you walked into a pub. Yeah. I can do all of that. Yeah. And then, uh, almost wash my hands of its existence. Now that happens almost subconsciously. So I'm not doing it like I can't be bothered to deal with what you experienced with race, right? But, uh, and then when you go to me, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't go to an England game because of that. Then I go, fuck man. Like this is a real- What, what is problem. it? What is it that tips you into that space based on what I say? Because so your, your experience becomes human. Right. Your experience becomes human. You're just my mate who like, you know, if I wanted to go to an England game and I was like, Hass, I've got a ticket. Uh, and then you go, I can't come, mate, because I don't feel comfortable there. Then all of a sudden it's like, fucking hell, you're my mate who don't feel comfortable there. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? So like, I, just to, to bring it back to the question, why do you think we're so far behind? Because I, guess, I think it gets very easy and comfortable to not address these things. Yeah. You know? It's that. And also, it's not an accident that that 89% of a pound gets put into all male founder teams. It's not an accident. No. Like, it's not like, oh, we didn't even know. It happens by design, but the design is not maybe explicit. No one's written it on paper saying we're only gonna put, we're gonna put 89% of this pound into all male teams. It's just inherently wired and the wiring passes down through structure and through generations. So, you know, toxic structures inherently just protect themselves, right? This is why the Tories have been in power for so long. Mm. You know, it's because that anytime there's a threat there, it just, it gets shifted or the narrative gets shifted or you you get people to stop talking about that and get them to talk about something else. Yeah. And so um, can you imagine if, if, how do you change the, and then it gets put on the victims or the, uh, not um, the victims or the, the, the people who are suffering from this kind of the structural oppression, it gets put on them to try and fix it, right? So if you think about what happens with Black Lives Matter, it almost fell, the, the burden of uh, responsibility fell on black people to fix it. Why should it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, it's a microcosm of what needs to be done, right? So if you're getting one less than a penny of that investment, you, you, you know, the, the weight of pressure and, and, and law of averages is against you. Yeah. So that's yeah. why it's not changing because no one really wants it to change. Yeah. You know, this is slightly off topic of what you're talking about. I've been, been it's sort of because it, and I'm saying it because it's just come into my head. One, I've always struggled with the Women's Day conversation, right? To know where I fit into it and to how I talk about it and, and stuff like that. And, and I do think that part of it is because I've always found women way, like this is hard to say, correctly women way better than i've easier and more i'm way more comfortable in uh feet the presence of of women 
than I am men because I've always, my life experiences have made men quite scary to me and stuff like that, yeah. So I've always sort of sat in that other field. Do you know what I mean? So like I, I get, I don't know, it makes me a little bit confused sometimes when I'm trying to, because I've lived in, I've lived more in, a, and I was raised by my mum, I guess as well. So I've lived a bit more in like a women's world. Does that make have well, I made it makes any sense. sense well, it I've makes sense to there. me because obviously I was raised by my mum and my sister. Because um, I would pick a woman any day for a bloke. Yeah. For for most things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying that in a uh, uh, like a LinkedIn baity way of like you know women over. I just that's just my natural thing. My natural thing would be to pick a woman to do anything. Yeah. Super in a superior way. Uh, Is that what you're saying? No, not in a superior way. As in women are superior. Yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah, think they're probably yeah, better for, uh, for yeah, any job. Yeah. Well, they are. But the problem is, is we, we know that and yet the it, you can't fight against the structure. And, the, and yeah. that's what I'm really trying to point to is like, if we are 300 years away from gender parity and equality, that, that has to have a, it has to have, you have to break the patterns. You yeah. have to like start really radically breaking the patterns to to drive change. You're not going to incrementally get there, is 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 the problem. I think the other thing is between us, we're a dad of six daughters. Yeah, and so when when we talk about like where do we stand, I think we I think we have to start with our our inner circle first, right? Yeah, because I think you can get a bit caught up, particularly in the kind of work that we do and have, you know, almost feeling like we need to have a voice in this space. You can kind of get caught up in potentially getting a bit of virtue signaling, right? Yeah. But actually, so what I always think is let's let's start with your your immediate circle. Start with who's around you. How, how do you want to, you know, their whole lives are ahead of them, their whole futures. They're about to move out, certainly mine, and move out of kind of the innocent phase of their life and and move into that space where your older daughters are, where um, they're having to experience this stuff, where, you know, some of the stuff you're saying is, oh, shit, that's a bit of the way of the world. And actually, why don't we try and figure out how do we kind of make that way of the world a bit different, right? We're not, obviously, we're not going to just be able to change it just by having a conversation on podcasts. But if we don't at least do this, and then through the influence of our work and who we bring into the kind of work that we're doing, then what hope is there? Because, you know, there are so many blokes who want to keep things as they are, yeah. or actually even take it back further the other way. So let me ask you, um, what, um, why, are, why are men so fragile about this topic of gender equality? Look, the question, I want to firstly recognize that a lot of men really are fragile about it. Um, when I first started doing this work, I got, I got put in a few men's spaces, uh, on particularly on Facebook. And there's one in particular that I remember getting put in, right? And I'm going back like four or five years now. And it was, a men, it was called a men's space and I'm involved in men's spaces now, right? I wasn't back then. I didn't really know anything about them. And that was, there was a couple of hundred blokes in there and they were fragile, it was full of fragile men that believed that women were trying to take over the world. None of them said that, right? And they were like talking as if they were there for men, but they were, it, it was full of fragile men that were worried about uh, women taking over the world. Yeah. Um, why do I think they're so fragile about it? 
Um, I think there's a change that that happens, or is it a change? When we're at school, right? When you're at school, and this is still true, I believe today, we pathologize young boys and girls very, very differently, right? Boys are allowed to kick off in a classroom. Boy can throw a chair, gets put in isolation, is allowed back in the class. That's still pretty normal scene. A boy can have a big angry outburst, right? And he gets taken out of the lesson and then he gets brought back in and it's relatively normal. Young girls don't get afforded the same thing. So a young girl can't, if a young girl threw a chair, she'd find herself in front of a doctor within about, you know, she'd do it three times max. Mm. Yeah, because we would be like, this girl must be, there's something, she's crazy. Yeah. So we literally, the way that we pathologize young kids, we allow boys uh, to externalize their emotions, which is, this is the complete opposite to what society tells us, by the way. But young boys are allowed to externalize their, their big emotions as long as it's in anger. They're not allowed to cry, actually, in senior school, but they can, they can externalize their anger in a big way. Yeah. Young girls are actually taught to, to hold their emotions in. Right, they're not allowed to be too emotional at all when they're younger, and I think this is why, by the way, men go on to be very angry at the world, and women have a tendency to turn things in on themselves and think that they need to change themselves and that they're the problem. So we actually teach young children throughout school, uh, unconsciously, um, that boys are the ones that are allowed to do what they want. They are the ones with the power, and any girls that do it, they must have something wrong with them. So then, when I think young boys get into adulthood. Uh, and lots of young girls start to find their voices, but it's a new thing to boys. They're like, well, who the fuck? Like, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm allowed to do whatever I want, get angry, yeah. get da da da. But yeah. young girls are not. Yeah. So even sometimes, and that's by the way, not this is not me taking responsibility away from uh, from men and saying, well, they're just conditioned that way. But I do think that conditioning is massive. And it's a bigger thing than we think. I think so, and it's and and. It is schooling, it's the kind of, it's the uh, cultural systems, right? But it's also familial um, um, systems as well, right? So uh, in many cultures, boys are just elevated in terms of state uh, status within the family structure, right? Um, I was just thinking even like something that I used to do uh, when I would be sort of going off and traveling, right? I'd say to my son I say right I'm off now can you look after the you know look yeah. after the girls like he was he, he's a lovely boy but you know like it's, you know like it's almost I'm 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 reinforcing that stereotype yeah yeah because yeah. what we do is we say boys men have to be powerful have to uh, take responsibility and so you almost um pseudo push the kind of the ability to keep everything in order to them yeah. And actually everyone has a responsibility to keep everyone safe, right? In those moments. If I'm if I'm worried, you know, and I want them to look out for each other, they should all be looking out for each other, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we just perpetuate these things. And of course, when you look at things like um uh you know like uh toys and things like that, you know, you just have that, you know, the you know, the the, the pink aisle and the blue aisle and things like that. So I think um you know from from uh you know, from my point of view, I think a, a huge part of uh, the problem, as we've discussed, is the fragility of men. And I'm, I talk about men, plural, right? I'm yeah, not yeah. saying there are some good guys, there are some good blokes who are doing really meaningful work. Yeah, but you're always talking in generalization when you're talking this way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And like another thing that I would say is that when you get to be a young man, so when I was 17, 18, 19, and you're in the pub, every, like, 
this is just the reality of it. All the blokes are full of shit. They're all lying. It's all this big bravado, right? They all act like they're in charge and da 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 in their relationships. I'm talking about yeah, and it's a load of bo- like it's 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 a load of crap, yeah. Like when I look at like my own relationship, you know the old saying that it would be like you know you know where's the trousers in your relationship? Make no mistake about it. Leah is very much the leader in our relationship. So Leah is very no, not mu- Leah's not the rela- <laughs> leader in our relationship. <laughs> I know what you're saying, yeah, yeah, but she's very much the leader. In, in our relationship, she's the one who kind of holds things together. Uh, if there are power structures, which I'm sure there are within the family, she holds more power than I do mm. within the house, right? Mm. Um, and I'm quite comfortable with that in my life today, yeah? Uh, but I weren't when I was younger. Yeah, Like I, I felt, because what I learned from other men in the pub, I felt like because all my relationships are a little bit like that, yeah? I felt like I needed to exert power back so i felt like because my wife was leading or any partner that i had was leading i felt like i was i my duty is to exert power back let me give you a really quick example we i might have talked about this on here before but we were on the plane once and when we got to our seats have i told you this before yeah. on here I, I think so but tell it but yeah. but uh, we got to the seat where we were supposed to be sat and it, what was going to happen is our five-year-old at the time was going to be sat away from us and I was like, well, this can't happen. And I don't know how to deal with it. I hate confrontation. Like, And it's my wife that steps in. No, this is not happening. She calls someone over. Anyway, in the end, because this woman said she's not going to move, right? In the end, my wife gets it sorted. We're all sat next to each other. My first go-to after that is to start shaming myself. You know, like, you're the man. You should have sorted that. And then I realized that's why we're in this partnership, Yeah. Because she brings that shit to the table. And what's wrong with her being the one that brings that stuff to the table in this partnership, mm. yeah? Mm. And it's the societal pressures and the belief that when a woman leads or holds a certain amount, a higher percentage of the power, I am still, I, there is still a conditioning in me that I have to override to say, no, 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 that's all right, man. Yeah. Yeah, but even today, in my life today, yeah. my first thought is, oh, how I, am I being perceived? I'm getting, yeah. it's not even, I don't even think it's about being perceived necessarily. It's just my thought. I think about myself. I should be fucking leading here. I need to get that back. And then I have, you have to override and go, nah, man. Uh, like, that's all right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. all right. I think, um, just to kind of wrap up, we, you know, some of this change is, not, you know, so much of it is systemic and structural and uh, it, it is more than just, you know, individuals doing work. It needs It needs something bigger than that. And the more that men like us talk about it without sort of fear or reprisal and open and, and lean into compassion and empathy and vulnerability and actually show others that actually it's okay and encourage uh, more other men to break the norms, the societal norms, that's how we can start to make tiny, small, incremental difference. Um, and no doubt if we put some of this stuff on social we're going to get some heat being called snowflakes for talking about that stuff and i i i say bring it on yeah 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 i'll fucking knock them out because i'm <laughs> i'm an odd nut bloke. or you'll let you'll, or you'll let the wife do it yeah, yeah my wife be um yeah. brilliant 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 um this isn't obviously we're not going to solve these challenges but i think we have to continue to talk about them on this platform and through our work that we do out in the world definitely man great conversation i enjoyed that today um and yeah see you in a couple of weeks
Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya.